0: This January, I'm celebrating 10 years as a small business owner. To say that a lot has changed since I started my very first website while breastfeeding my infant daughter is an extreme understatement. It's not just the marketing tactics we rely on or the social platforms we frequent that have changed, though. It comes right down to the kinds of questions we're asking and the visions we're pursuing as business owners. Our businesses have matured and we're doing our best to keep up. You're listening to What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes of what's actually working in small business today and dares to get into the nitty gritty with successful small business owners. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Since my job is to both interview small business owners here on the podcast and observe the comings and goings of hundreds of small business owners in my company's small business network, I have a pretty great vantage point for seeing how the landscape is changing. I see five key trends shaping small business in 2019, and over the next five episodes, I'll be sharing each one with the help of interviews we've done over the last three years. Now, the reason we can do that is because, well, these new trends are actually nothing new. They've been bubbling beneath the surface for years, as all good trends do. In 2019, I see them tipping, reaching the mainstream, and affecting the way you look at how you do business. So while these episodes are old, I encourage you to listen to them with new ears and a new perspective. Things have changed, but these interviews represent the future, not the past. I'll tell you about the first trend I see in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Gusto it's time to start thinking about what you want to accomplish in the next year. And if you're like a lot of the small business owners I know, hiring help is high on your list already. But what about the paperwork, the red tape, the legal hoops to jump through, not to mention the money? Gusto makes it easy. We use Gusto to automatically file and pay our taxes, manage time off, and offer benefits. Plus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. So if you want better payroll in 2019, now is the time to start. Try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash whatworks. That's gusto.com slash What works is also brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses like yours that bring people together. Until recently, small business owners like us had to use a bunch of different platforms, each with their own idiosyncrasies and fees to build our brands. One platform for courses, another for events, another for your content, and yet another for your community. They're not designed to work together, nor are they designed to work well on mobile, where people spend the majority of their time online. Now at Co Commercial, we faced the same challenge until we found Mighty Networks. With the Mighty Network, online business owners can bring all their assets together in one place. Your website, your content, your courses, your community, your events, online and off. And you can charge for them all while building your brand. The best part, when you're ready, you can upgrade to roll all these features into your own native mobile apps under your brand. It's like having your own Silicon Valley startup behind you with none of the headaches. And it's totally free to get started. At Commercial, we use Mighty Networks to bring together our interactive learning experiences, community roundtables, events, conversations, and behind-the-scenes content all in one place. Visit MightyNetworks.com to see more examples of brands bringing people together via events, classes, memberships, content, and more. Then give it a spin with a free trial. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. The first trend I see shaping 2019 is prioritizing sustainability. Now, what I'm not talking about here is the four-hour work week or passive income. In 2019, small business owners are going to make substantive changes to the way their businesses are run to create something that has staying power. People will worry less about what's working right now and start thinking more about what's going to work over the next 10 years. For some, that's going to mean building more robust teams. For others, it'll mean prioritizing values for social justice and environmental sustainability and building them into their business models. For yet others, it'll mean taking a careful look at their offers and pairing back to the core things they'll be able to sell for the long term. Now, when I consider this trend, I think about Michael Siriani, who did the work to make his business a certified B Corp, or Jennifer Armbrist, who is exploring feminist business models. I also think about Susan Korea, whose line of environmentally friendly children's clothes is changing lives in India, or Michelle Fyfus, who streamlined her business to make her business easier to run and more profitable at the same time. There's also Natalie Sisson, who is rebuilding her brand to be more focused on her customers and less on her, or Chris Middlestadt, who has pioneered feeding the hungry with the product his company can't use. Ultimately, I decided a great interview to share with you is Michelle Ward. Michelle has been building her business under the brand When I Grow Up Coach for over 10 years. While things have certainly evolved over time, much of how she runs her business and supports her brand has remained the same. Michelle has approached her business with an eye for sustainability from day one, and it's supported her through the ups and downs of both breast cancer and adoption. As you listen to Michelle's interview, whether it's for your first time or whether you're listening again, keep your ear out for all the ways that she's created systems with space to grow. Michelle and I talk about the secret of her small business longevity. We chat about how she's maintained the same brand for almost 10 years, the storms she's weathered, both personal and professional, and how she balances her strength of vision with her flexible attitude. And now let's find out what works for Michelle Ward. Michelle Ward, welcome to Profit Power Pursuit. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: I am so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Michelle, you and I have been in business for a long time at this point. <laughs> it has been a while. So I would, yeah, I would love for you to just tell us how you became the the When I Grow Up coach. Yeah. Okay. So I became the When I
1: Grow Up coach because essentially I became the coach that I couldn't find. Um, so my background, I like, I like to say what I did in my past life was musical theater. So that was my love and my passion since I was seven years old or so. And um, I went to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts for musical theater and it was always what I thought when I was in my teens, in my early 20s, you know, this is what I'm set out to do. This is what I'm supposed to do with my life is beyond on Broadway. Um, and just like a lot of other actors, by the time you've pounded the pavement for a few years, you realize ah, this isn't, you know, what I thought it was going to be. And while I still love performing, um, I I started to really get beaten down by the business of show business. And I decided it wasn't what I wanted to be when I grew up, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but I, I think because I was pursuing something I love for so long, literally it was like almost 20 years of, you know, let's do everything I can to make musical theater, you know, my, my career. Um, I really was not it was not going to be acceptable to me to find a job that I was going to be in for the next 40 years that I wasn't passionate about and um right now I I am definitely an overly optimistic person this um my own path in this business has kind of made me that way but at the time I would say I was an optimistic pessimist or a pessimistic optimist. I like hope for the best, but I expected the worst. And I guess what? There's nothing else that I'm going to love as much as musical theater. But like, I have to find a job that I at least enjoy in some aspect. Um, And I wanted to have a quote unquote grown up job. I thought I was looking for something where I was going to be, you know, employable and get Mythical things to an actor like a 401k and health insurance, and all of these, you know, grown up things when I was in my mid to late 20s. And I realized um, with a lot of soul searching and help from um, a career change class uh, that being an entrepreneur really fit everything that I wanted for myself. <laughs> and then I found life coaching of all stupid things in 2007 <laughs> that I said, you know, oh yeah, let's go be a life coach and then turn that into career coaching for creative people. Um, and so in 2007, I kind of like begrudgingly said, Oh, it was, I like to call it my, my Oh crap balls moment. I was just like, Oh God, I'm going to go be a life coach now. Like that to me was just the hardest path. Um, but what I did to get there, the really, the first thing I did was to get out of the job that I had at the time with a very, Um, verbally abusive boss who made me psychosomatic. And I said, I cannot do my own thing um, while I'm working in this really toxic environment. And so I got a job as an executive assistant for a financial consulting company, which to me is like the weirdest fit for me ever known to man. Um, but it was the job where you clock in at nine and you clock out at six and you have no, you have no BlackBerry. This is how long ago this was like, you had no BlackBerry and you got paid for overtime. So they did not want you to take it. you had to take an hour for lunch. And I went, you know what? this, this covers all of my bills. I got that mythical insurance and 401k. And let me just park myself here while I get my certification and build my business enough that I could leave. So I got that job in August of 2007. That's the same month I started my certification to be a life coach. And I gave my notice in March of 2010. And, um, in the middle of the recession, thought it was a good idea to leave like a really, really stable job and become the one I grow up coach of all <laughs> silly things to be. Um, but knocking on a lot of wood. Um, That's been, you know, seven years and change and I've never had to look back. And it's been really, I pinch myself every day still that I get to do this work in the way that I do. And it (laughs)
0: brings in
1: the money that it does. It's really just been such a gift.
0: That's incredible. Um, I'd love to hear more about the decision to get what I would call a bridge job, um, essentially a way to fund the kind of early development of your business. How did you make that decision? And and is that a decision that you see a lot of your clients making as well?
1: Yeah. And it's, we have the same terminology. I I call it a bridge job also. Um, I think for me, what I had in the back of my head was my past job as a real estate agent. So I did that (laughs) as I was, I know, right? I did that from maybe like 2002 until 2004, 2005. Um, And it really was kind of a taste of the entrepreneurial life, even though I worked for, um, I worked for a broker and I was part of a company and, um, but if I wasn't closing deals, I wasn't getting money. Um, and so I had an amazing first year as a real estate agent. I was like the top agent in my office, maybe five months for the first year I was there five, six months, first year I was there. And then the second year was awful. (laughs) I made no. no money and racked up a lot of credit card debt like like probably about $20,000 of credit cards out. So I had that in the back of my mind of just I could not just decide I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a life coach and then like quit my job um the next day. It was just not going to happen in order for me to continue to be a grown up was the theme over and over um in order to be a grown up and pay my bills and live in New York city and, um, feel like I didn't have to be a hermit and eat ramen noodles every day. So for me, it was really about what is going to give me the most time and energy back that I could put into my business and still, (laughs) still maintain the relationships that are important to me as well, while monetarily giving me what I need to just like not have to stress about money right now. Um, and so that's when I landed on, Being an executive assistant, which was a little different than the job that I had at the time when I was working on all of this. Um, I was an account manager, kind of the liaison between the business I was working for and the clients that they had signed on. And on paper, it should have been the best job for me because really um, what I am more than anything is a relationship builder. And I know I have really good communication skills. And this job, you know, it was like this cool company that was in Soho. And, you know, it was a lot of young people. And sometimes people come in to work in their pajamas. And, you know, it was like, oh, you know, everything should have been great. But I had this boss that made things so difficult that I just knew, you know what, let's kind of even get in a more corporate environment, even though that is not the best fit for me personality wise but like I would rather just be somewhere that already has their culture down that has the um corporate process down and like I know that I am leaving for work at you know 8:30 in the morning and I'm coming back at 6:30 quarter to 7 at night but like the rest of the time is mine um and that to me was really important so um I would say do a lot of my clients kind of make that move <sighs> Uh, I, you know, I've never really thought about it. I think most of my clients decide to just stay where they are and do their side hustle. Um, and you know, I think unless you're in such a toxic environment, I mean, for me, the wake up call was going to work. Probably a little less than a year after I started, I lived in New York City uptown. The office was all the way downtown. I was on the train during rush hour. And I had to, like, rush out of the train in the middle of the Union Square subway station, which is one of the busiest in the city, and dry heave into the garbage because I felt so nauseous and sick that morning. And this job had such a hold on me that I didn't say right away, like, I'm just going to go back home. I'm obviously really sick. I said, let me walk the 20 blocks to work (laughs) Um, and then go grab my laptop and tell everyone that I need to work from home because I just pretty much react on the subway. Um, and I was really in my head like, should I get back on the subway? Am I going to feel sick again? If I take a cab, it's going to take all this time and all this money. If I get on the bus, am I going to be sick? What am I going to do? And the second I left the office with my laptop and knew that I was going home, I felt fine. And to me, it was like, oh, this is affecting me physically now. I need to get out of here. So unless someone is in... I think that toxic of an environment, normally I would say like, let's just suck it up because the devil, you know, is oftentimes better than the devil. You don't. And just getting a new job and adjusting to a new job is like your side hustle right there. So it's really hard to do anything else when you want to focus on your business when like, that's the main piece. Um, so that's more often what my clients do rather than put their attention on. Let me go find a bridge job right now. Um, they, they usually just kind of stay put and we just plan on, okay, <laughs> how are we getting out of here? What are the things that you need in order to be as confident and comfortable as possible, giving your notice and, and knowing you've set yourself up on, on really solid ground.
0: Brilliant. Got it. All right, cool. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit. One of the other kind of interesting things about how long you have been in business <laughs> and how long you've been at this is that you've actually had the same brand name for mm-hmm. as long as I've known you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot say the same thing about myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as, yeah. You know, as yeah. I think everyone in my orbit knows, it, it can get a little confusing sometimes for Absolutely. Tara. So um, <laughs> I'd love to know how has uh, the when I grow up coach brand evolved? And also, how has it kind of stayed the same? Yeah, it's such a good question. No one's ever, I think,
1: noticed in this way or asked <laughs> me this. So I, I, I love kind of thinking about this. Um, well, you know, it was funny when I first started my business back in, you know, 2007. And it never kind of crossed my mind to use my own name. Um, and I just feel like, I feel like we're kind of internet dinosaurs in a way, Tara, like yeah. back in 2007, just things were so different in terms of branding and marketing and you know, what you were doing to grow and build your online business. And, um, I think too, because I have a name that is so common, um, I can never, I've been stalking michelleward.com for like years. Um, I literally have a to do like every single weekday, go look at michelleward.com. It's suspended right now for some reason. And I'm just waiting for someone to give it up. Um, but when you have such a common name, it's like, I'm not, it's, I'm never getting my handles. I'm never getting my URL. Like it's not happening. So what else could I, could I be? Um, and I remember, I remember so clearly the email that I sent out to, um, my, my friends and my family that I thought were really connected to the types of people I was going to work with. And I really honestly thought back at the, back in 2007, that I was going to work with actors who wanted to leave acting, but wanted to find a new job that they could be passionate about. So really, I thought I was just going to work with like a lot of mini me's (laughs) Uh, people
0: who clearly have lots of disposable.
1: Exactly. And it's so funny you said that because that was like what I was told again and again by people just like, we're going to work with creative people. You're going to work with actors to do this thing. Like they don't have any money. How are you going to make money? Um, and I laugh at those people now, uh, you know, (laughs) nine years later when I get essentially like $400 a session. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I had these different, you know, like it does when I grow up resonate with you. I was going to be with the cherry on top coaching. That was another one. And then, the, <laughs> and then the other one was like sing out Louise coaching, which is a, which is a, a thing from gypsy um, the musical. And it was kind of a nod to my musical theater background and getting people to like step up into themselves and whatever. Um, and I'm also really loud. And so, you know, it's kind of like, ha, the clever clever. Um, and I picked when I grew up coach, not because it was the runaway winner, but because I, thought that it, every time I said to people, when I was going through my own career crisis, I don't know what I want to be. When I grow up, people would laugh every single time. Like everyone got it, even though I was 27. And I was like, no, I'm serious. What am I going to do? Um, so for me, I think that the brand, you know, on the surface has evolved because I've done, I want to say three different, like logo and branding shifts in the, in the nine years that I've been doing this. Um, I've been working with the same designer since I started my business. Wow. And so she's incredible and I hope she never leaves me. Um, I love her name. Her name is Rebecca Pollock, and, uh, it's really, I think, um, grown up <laughs> for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Um, it was very much like my very first logo was, um, like these two cartoon people that didn't look super cartoony, but like were definitely cartoons of, um, I'll never forget Nancy, the ballerina nurse. Cause I wanted to kind of highlight, like, she's a ballerina, but she's also a nurse. She has this creative side, but she also has this professional side and Bruce, the strumming businessman. So he had like a briefcase and a guitar. Um, and so they were sort of like, you know, my icons. And then after a few years I left them behind and I, um, made something that, that I still work with, which is like the suitcase icon that have these creative elements in it. But the, the, the look of it, the colors were like very neon, (laughs) like hot pink, hot green. Um, I always want to convey my enthusiasm and my playful spirit, Um, and, you know, kind of give a nod to the fact that like, even though we're dealing with the serious thing that I take seriously, we're, we're going to have a fun time doing this, believe it or not. Um, but that became clear that, that, that wasn't what I was going for. And actually I want to say Two or three years ago, I worked with a um, a branding consultant for the first time before I went to do my third rebrand, mm. and um, it was a really interesting experience, um, and we really came to terms with the fact that I needed to make things more serious, um, and I put out a, a survey to my audience because I was really thinking about changing my business name because I oh. thought that... Some of the feedback that I get um is that like, oh, I don't really take you seriously. This is like a funny, silly name, but I'm a professional woman and this (laughs) isn't, you know, like, and so I thought maybe I was losing these clients that I really enjoy working with, um, who are more, you know, of the of the professionals. Um, and so I put out the survey and I said, Well, now I've been in business so long that. I think my name rings bells and I could kind of just go with my name. um, And should I do this? And overwhelmingly, my people told me that they were attracted to me and stuck around because of the business name. It was one of the first things that clicked with them. And I realized very quickly that I'd be doing myself a disservice by dropping it. Um, And so, you know, then it became a piece of, okay, well, how do we keep the name, which is great because it attracts my right people. And every single client I have worked with, and it has been hundreds at this point, minus maybe like a handful in nine years have been like dropped from above clients. Like, where did you come from? You are out of my dreams. Like, this is great. And sometimes I don't even have calls with people and they give me thousands of dollars and I go, I don't know who you are, but let's see what's up. And they always wind up being just exactly the right clients for me. Um, and so I think that that is really um, a big nod to the business name, the brand, how I show up online, how authentic I am, you know, use that, using that buzzword. Um, but really the, the brand as you see it now has really grown up and evolved and, and the color palette um, Is much more reflective of you know where I want things to be, and at this point, I'm really happy with the brand where it's at. And uh, if I if you hear me talking about changing it in the next year or two, just hit me in the face. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Thank yeah, you.
0: I've loved seeing the evolution of the brand, and certainly kind of watching the When I Grow Up coach kind of grow up. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that you know what you've said about um, having such a consistent stream of dream clients is really a testament to such a well thought out and intentional brand, but also one that's very reflective of what you actually want. And I have a feeling that that probably goes back to your skills as a coach too. And, and actually asking yourself, what is it that I want? What is it that I'm creating here? And I think that's a, a, a step that so many business owners skip. Um, all right, let's, let's, you mentioned, you know, maybe how much you get a session now and people sending you thousands of dollars. And of course that makes me wonder, um, how has the way you've earned revenue generated revenue over these last seven, eight years evolved, um, as your, as your business has evolved?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, back in the beginning, I really, um, I loved my life coaching certification, but the business side of it was very much lacking. And so they really only taught us back in 2007 to two thousand and nine one um, one way to coach clients, which was 12 sessions, 45 minute sessions, the end, that was it. That's all I learned. So, um, for the first few years, that was the only way you could work with me. And until really I got out of my job. Um, I think actually, while I was still in my job, I did put together some group coaching sessions, but like four people tops. Cause I went, I don't know how the hell I even kind of do this. And I, I kind of winged it. Um, so that was really all I did while I was still at work. It was all I could kind of handle and all I had time for and what I knew was going to get my clients results. Um, once I left in 2010, then it was like, I did my first ebook and then I did more group coaching. And then, um, I did more, you know, programs and I had my own community site and I did collaborations with friends. I've done bundle sales for a few years and, um, it's been a lot of doing my own programs, classes, my coaching packages have wound up being varied at this point. You could work with me for one session or you could work with me for six sessions. You could work with me for 12 sessions. Um, and I'm very secure at this point in talking to someone and saying, "Oh, I know what you need to get the results yeah. that you want." Um, and so that that's also a really good feeling. Um, but at this point, um, I work with probably about a dozen one on one clients throughout the year. I have a program that I run once a year with um, my my friend leagues, as I like to call them, my friends who are my colleagues, Tiffany Hudd and Erin Cassidy called it's business time. Um, I'm doing a different kind of bundle sale telesummit mashup that that you have agreed to participate in tara which is amazing called called pivot assembly which is coming up in september and then i do two rounds of a program called 90 day business launch with my friend Lee laura sims um i've tried to do some webinars i have group coaching specifically for my former clients small group coaching six-month programs and so to think of you know, the one way I made money back in, you know, 2009 versus the multiple ways that I make money now is really kind of mind blowing and exciting.
0: Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about like how that balances out? So do the one-on-one clients, is that 50% of your revenue, 30%, 70%? How does, how do the different streams kind of balance out?
1: Yeah, it's been really, um, kind of, I don't want to say very throughout the year, my one-on-one clients have always been my major money maker. Okay. Um, but that's kind of changing. It's, it's always been more than 50% of my income. And it's funny, I got to dig this up from last year, every year, I want to say in January, I put together a really big infographic that I post on my blog, which is oh. like, here's, all the ways that I have made money, and here's where my clients have come from. And here, like, and so, and I make those pie charts um, and share them with my audience because I'm a weirdo. Uh, but I have to go back and see. I mean, I think at this point, I don't think that my clients are my major money maker anymore. Um, I have a feeling my programs make me more money than my one on one clients. Um, but that's been kind of a new thing. 90 day business launch has been super successful. Again, I'll knock on wood, super successful and (laughs) and a sellout, um, since we launched it last summer, and so that has been all of a sudden like, oh, this is a flagship offer all of a sudden and, and something that I could kind of rely on. Um, so, you know, in that way, though, things are always evolving. And what I'm doing in 2017 um, is, won't be exactly what I do in 2018. So, you know, I already have those kind of things in my head of oh, what am I going to be creating? What am I going to be working on? So it's fun to kind of think of that at this point, too.
0: Fantastic, and we'll make sure we find that infographic from last year and link up to that in the show notes. Yeah, because I think everyone will be really interested to see how that's played out. Maybe we can even link up a few. Um, I didn't realize you did that. I yeah. totally missed that. Yeah, over the yeah, last few years. Yeah, so yeah, that would be really helpful to see kind of how things have evolved. Because I think this is again with coaching in general, life coaching specifically, or career coaching specifically. Um, This is something that. I think because of the wave behind online courses in the last few years, everyone thinks that coaches don't really coach anymore, that they're all, you know, just leading these programs of thousands of people and making millions of dollars. And it's like <laughs> No, actually, coaches do a lot of work. And... Uh, yeah,
1: I, I, I definitely know the coaches who have dropped the one-on-one component. I absolutely have, or I know coaches that have really minimized the one-on-one component because mm-hmm. that's not what they like to do. And amen and hallelujah, it's wonderful. I think to be a coach and be able to say, you know what, that is not my jam. Let's go into you know something else. But for me, I love my one-on-one clients. I love them. I love doing that. It's really, really rewarding for me. Um, and so that's something for me that I can't. See myself dropping at any point in time.
0: Now, uh, we're we're going to talk about maybe some of the downsides in business sure, now sure, because we've I talked love. a lot about a, a lot of good stuff, but you've really weathered a lot of storms in yeah. your business, some really big ones, some really big ones. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I'm sure, you know, just the, the storms that we all weather when we've been in business more than a couple of years. Um, and at the same time, you've taken advantage of a lot of opportunities. There's been ups and there's been downs, but this long, you know, this course of longevity and the consistency of your business has really uh, main, been maintained. I'm curious how. How far you look ahead to plan your business so that you can weather those storms, or are you not looking so far ahead so that you're always kind of playing it by ear, depending on on what is coming around the bend for you?
1: It's so not my personality to play it by ear, Tara. I'm so <laughs> not that person. Um, I am so Type A in that way, and in no, like very few other ways. But in that way, I'm really Type A, um, and I'm really kind of a planning organization nerd. Um, but you know to really just let's just dive into the downsides uh i had i got diagnosed with boob cancer as i like to call it in november of 2011 and again in september of 2015 and what was you know so funny at the time was that right before my diagnosis i had spent maybe like 3 or 4 full business days with my assistant planning out 2012 like the entire year what am I launching and when and every date and everything and setting everything up and it was it was glorious like I loved having this planning time and it was so beautiful kind of looking at my calendars and then I got cancer and it was kind of like the universe going ha ah, ha huh. like this is what you think is happening next year but it all had to be scrapped so that taught me a really big lesson um and while I can't help myself and I usually do plan For an entire year, Um, I plan very broadly. So like right now I have notes as to like what I'll be doing, you know, next spring. But um, I only plan in a detailed way um, like a quarter in advance. Mm-hmm. Or even at the start of that quarter for that quarter. So right now, I can't tell you specifics of what's happening quarter two because we're recording this in you know early August. In um, in quarter four, I mean, uh, I can't tell you specifics of what's what's happening in quarter four, but I can tell you exactly what's happening in quarter three from now until the end of September. Like I plan that out at the beginning of July, I guess, when the quarter started, it was like, okay, here's the details for the next three months. And this is what's going on. Um, so that's kind of how I I've been handling things. And I really like the way that, that that works for me.
0: Nice. Well, I mean, this really kind of leads into the, the next place where, where I wanted to go, which is that, you know, your uh, attitude towards your business seems to be such a beautiful balance between really the strength of your vision, which has been kind of a recurring theme as as you've been explaining how you approach things, but also like the flexibility that you bring to the table as an entrepreneur, um when something big does happen like a boob cancer diagnosis <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. how do you approach adjusting your business what do you do with those plans that you've made so that you can actually move forward but t- you know take the time or or readjust or reevaluate depending on on what is really going on
1: yeah um well i mean before before i i answer that i think i just want to say that like whether it's something negative that happens to you kind of out of nowhere or something positive it's too out of nowhere probably the same rules can apply um but I think really I felt so fortunate to have my business when I got the when I got sick Um, it was really my I called it like my release and my relief like I love my work so much I love my business so much that um it almost sometimes feels like um a bit of an acting role in the best way because it's so authentic, but it was like my business and my coaching allowed me to get out of my own head and out of my own world and really be there and focus on my clients or focus on the thing that I wanted to create or the message that I wanted to share during that time. Um, so for me, and I think this really is, this is not a one size fits all answer. This really goes back to what you personally, um, are comfortable with and what you personally need in order to just you know make it through day to day. For me, when I was first diagnosed, it was about definitely scaling back. Um initially I was like well I guess I'm just going to need to stop coaching and that made me feel so terrible that I was like that almost feels worse than the cancer it's like if I have cancer and I have to stop coaching that is like let's not even get out of bed um so instead I said okay well how could I keep coaching and 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 do this throughout my treatments and um my choice was okay I just have to pare down I have to take less clients than I thought I have to probably, you know, step away from these programs I thought I was going to run or classes I was going to teach or whatever I had plans at the time. I don't even remember what else I kind of had on deck, but I definitely had group coaching clients and I had one-on-one coaching clients. And what I decided to do, cause I'm so transparent with my business, um, was kind of make an announcement on, on my blog by writing a, song called I've Got Boob Cancer on my pink ukulele and um put it on my blog and kind of, you know, was like, "Eh, this is what's going on now, you guys. Um everything's gonna be okay, but like, if I'm not, you know, posting to my blog regularly or I'm not then this is why. Um and it was really I know people that would not wanna go public with that and they want to keep it really private and that's the right choice for them. Um for me it felt more of a relief to just kind of be out in the open about it and I felt I remember feeling really terrible because I have a I have a mutual twenty four hour cancellation policy with my clients, so they have to give me twenty four hours in order to reschedule their session; otherwise, they lose it, and vice versa. Um, so if I don't give them twenty four hours, then I give them a makeup session and an additional session. Um, and I remember going, "Oh my god, I I can't now dictate how I'm going to feel a day in advance." And so what I wound up doing, which felt like this really big thing at the time, was say to them, because of what I'm going through, I don't want to wake up in the morning, no, I have a session with you and feel really sick. And like, I'm not going to be the best coach that you need at the time and give you my best self. Um, And so I get... A two-hour window to cancel on you, but you still have 24 hours to cancel on me. And everyone was so lovely about it. Like this also shows that I I have been just attracting and and working with my right people. There was not a single person who gave me any sort of problem in any way, shape, or form. And I think the way then I set things up was, um, you know, after my after my after my boobal removal, after my my bilateral mastectomy, I I like cleared my calendar for a month and was just like I'm not going to have any sessions, I'm just going to get better. And, um, any kind of business stuff that I want to work on that feels good as I feel better. I wound up doing one of my rebrands during that month. Cause I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't help myself, but it was like, I'm not going to work with clients that month. And the same thing when I knew I was going to keep, I was going to chemo once every three weeks, I was clearing my calendar for like the week of chemo because I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was going to feel. Um, and so for me, it was about what do I still want to do that feels really good? What do I think I can manage? And how can I take the ownership off of myself to like, have to, I don't know, show up at a certain point at a certain time and like feel guilty if I can't do it. Um, So that's really kind of what I would suggest when something kind of pops up unexpectedly. (laughs) And you have to kind of do a bit of a scramble to adjust things. Well,
0: well, no one has any excuses after the
1: yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. Although, you know, it's it, everyone kind of reacts and responds to things like that really differently. And I yeah. definitely um, it was not all, you know, sunshine and roses. But I I particularly when I think back in my head and I go, oh, my God, what if I was still at this executive assistant job? Like, oh, what if I had to go to chemo and then like go to this shitty job you know like uh what that would just be the worst so it would be a different i think outlook and perspective and
0: whatever yeah yeah. I mean, to me, that is one of the promises of the new economy, right? Is Absolutely. That, uh, there is as much or more stability in entrepreneurship today because of the state of so many parts of our employment landscape um, than there is in traditional employment. And I think what you've just described is really beautiful, but also your, your whole approach and philosophy to it. And just, you know, I did what was right for me and I just thought it through and I explained it and I was honest is just such a beautiful example. And, like you said, not everyone's decisions in those kind of moments are going to be the same. But I think those those values of honesty and transparency and uh you know taking care of yourself are so key. So this podcast is going live on September twelfth. And oh, I believe that yeah. puts us in time for you to talk about pivot assembly, yeah. right? So you want to tell us more about that? I you mentioned it earlier.
1: I, I'm so you know, I always I always forget to ask, when is this going live whenever I record podcasts? <laughs> thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, pivot assembly is a brand new like virtual um assembly and like a bundle sale. So it's kind of we describe it as like if a you know uh, virtual assembly and a bundle sale like had a baby, this is what it is. So for three days, um, September 13th, 14th, 15th, we are releasing, I think, five or six interviews with amazing career change experts like Gutara, specifically about pivoting out of your crappy job and either into a more traditional job or into entrepreneurial work. And it's great because we, even make kind of two separate tracks. Um, So people aren't so overwhelmed with like the 15 or 16 interviews that we have. You kind of go, this is what you're interested in. Then this is what you need to focus on. And for those, those three days, um, the interviews will be free. um, And it doesn't, you know, cost anything to sign up for it um, at pivotassembly.com. And then what you could do is uh, for those three days, we have a special $97 early bird sale where you get not only all the interviews forever and ever and ever, but every single speaker has contributed um, a program, a book, a course, a webinar, some sort of... digital offer that they contributed to this bundle. So we haven't gotten the f- final tally yet of what everything is worth, but like you're probably saving something like 90% um, <laughs> of whatever, all of things these things cost by themselves. And if you snatch them up by um, the end of the day on Friday, the 15th, then it's $97. Um, and it's just like, we, we just really, my, my co-founder Jenny Foss and I just really wanted to, To bring very useful, actionable information to those of you who are sitting at your desks or going from like, you know, kind of gig job to gig job to gig job, knowing that you want something different for yourself um, and probably to start fresh in whatever you're doing. um, Really great, actionable advice and things to do to get there. So we're super excited about it.
0: I am super excited about it, too. I think it's a a great idea, and you guys are always... You're just so thoughtful. Oh, um, I think I've used that word a few times, but you're so just nice. so thoughtful about the way you put things together and the way you ask for help and the way you um, just kind of pull your support network together on these things. So oh, uh, awesome. you said it was pivotassembly.com, right?
1: Pivotassembly.com. Although feel free, Tara, to put your link in the in the show notes for everyone.
0: Cool. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Michelle, well, normally I ask people what's next for them, but since I know Pivot <laughs> Assembly is <laughs> what's it. next for you, I think we'll, le- it. we'll leave it there. Perfect. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much about for sharing just kind of all the, the ins and outs of of how you've been able to create this consistent and profitable and uh, just really impactful business and brand over the last eight years or so. So thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing everything that you have. No, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. Find out more about Michelle Ward at whenigrowupcoach.com. This interview was originally produced by Michael Karsch and engineered by Chris Stowe. Today's episode was produced and edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. For more behind-the-scenes interviews with small business owners, go to whatworkspodcast.com.